0: to winning isn't easy. I'm Nancy Cavey, National ERISA and Individual Disability Attorney. Before we get started today, I've got to give you a legal disclaimer. This podcast is not legal advice. The Florida Bar Association says, I've got to say it, so I have, and nothing will prevent me from giving you an easy-to-understand overview of the disability insurance world, the games that disability carriers play, and what you need to know to get the disability insurance benefits you deserve. So, Off we go, making the decision to reduce your hours and apply for residual disability insurance benefits or to stop work and apply for total disability insurance benefits can be hard. You may think that once you've made that decision and filed your claim, that a check's gonna be overnighted to you immediately. After all, your doctor supports your claim, even your employer supports your claim, but that's not what happens in the real world. I want you to understand that your initial claim for benefits is reviewed by the disability insurance carrier or plan. And they're gonna look at this from three perspectives. The first perspective is going to be, what were the terms of your policy or plan? Two, what's the sufficiency of the medical proof that establishes that you were disabled as that term is defined by your policy or plan? And occupational analysis, as that term is defined by your policy or plan? Are you unable to do the material and substantial duties of your occupation? In this multi-part series, I'm gonna concentrate on the occupational evaluation. I want you to understand the factors that disability carriers or plans are likely to consider when you submit your application for benefits. Now, when you applied for your occupational disability insurance benefits, you're going to be asked a number of questions. And what's relevant here going to be what were your specific occupational duties just prior to the onset of your disability? Two, what were the specific physical or mental requirements associated with each duty? Three, how long did you perform each of those duties in the course of your average of the average day? Now we've got some more factors to talk about but let's talk about today how the carrier verifies your occupational duties the occupational factors that a disability uh, carrier or plan considers when you apply for your benefits as it relates to the date you claim you're disabled. And what's the status of your license? Got it? All right. Before we take a deep dive, let's take a break. Have you been robbed of your peace of mind from your disability insurance carrier? You owe it to yourself to get a copy of Robbed of Your Peace of Mind which provides you with everything you need to know about the long-term disability claim process. Request your free copy of the book at kvlaw.com today. All right, we're back, ready to get started. How a disability carrier verifies your occupational duties. They're gonna contact your employer, both in writing and by phone. What your HR department does or does not do with this request can screw up your claim. Often the HR department doesn't have a clue. We know that, but they'd also don't have a clue about what you did, how you did it, or how long you did it. They're gonna make up answers and they're not gonna copy you with those answers to the carrier's questions. And that's gonna put you behind the eight ball. What you need to do if your employer has given the disability carrier plan the incorrect information, well, let me tell you, it can be a pain in everybody's you know what to try to correct this misinformation. And you may have to do any of the following. You may have to get a copy of your personnel file. You may have to get a copy of your time cards and your pay stubs. You may have to get a copy of your employer's occupational description. You may have to submit a sworn statement in rebuttal of what your employer said or didn't say. You may have to submit a sworn statement uh, from a co-employee or a supervisor in rebuttal of what your HR department told the disability carrier. Or you may have to hire a lawyer like myself to take on a wrongful claims denial because whatever your HR department told them was absolutely wrong. But that was the basis of the claims denial. Got it. All right. Let's take a break. Back to winning isn't easy. The occupational factors that a disability insurance carrier or plan considers when you apply for your disability insurance uh, benefits as a result of your disability. The onset of disability is crucial. You have to prove that you were disabled from performing your occupation as of the date you became disabled. Now I've talked extensively in earlier videos about the occupational factors that are considered. But the ultimate question is what was your occupation on the date of disability, which is known as the onset of disability. So let's talk about that concept. The onset of disability can be pretty easy to identify if you've been involved in an accident or you've had an identifiable incident like a heart attack. However, The onset of disability can be harder to determine. If you have a progressive disease or a medical condition like Parkinson's, fibromyalgia, or migraines. You may have worked for years with this medical condition. And the issue for the carrier is going to be at what point did you become disabled, as that term is defined by the your policy or plan. In other words, why did you work yesterday, but you can't work today? What's changed medically? Your medical records should explain what changed. And not that you just decided to stop work. There has to be justification for the date that you picked to be disabled. Now, as your condition has progressed, you may have reduced your hours. And that can also cause problems determining the onset of disability. Why is that? Well, let me explain to you how reducing your hours can confuse the date of disability issue and can also potentially destroy your claim. Before you reduce your hours, you need to do two things. First, you need to get out your policy and you need to determine how many hours you have to work to still have coverage. Many policies or plans say that you have to work a minimum of 30 hours per week to maintain your insurance. And if you reduce your hours to, let's say, 20 per week and then you apply for your benefits, you have no coverage. And no coverage means no benefits regardless of how disabled you might be. Now, the second thing you have to do is to discuss with your doctor, in my view, a gradual reduction of your hours from 40 to about 30 hours. As soon as you reduce your hours to 32, I think you should, depending on your policy, your doctor and the facts of your case, apply for your benefits. Now, if you have a residual disability benefit provision, you're probably eligible for residual benefits. Once you have a 20% reduction in your earnings, or at 32 hours or 30 to 32 hours of work. Again, this is math, and it depends on your particular situation, which is another reason, which is a great reason why you need to have an attorney help you figure out the date of disability if you have a progressive medical condition. Now, if you only have total disability coverage and you have a progressive medical condition like MS or fibromyalgia or migraines, you, Should be applying for benefits, I think, at 32 hours per week, and then plan to go out completely with your doctor's approval shortly thereafter. I think the gradual reduction of time and duties and pay is better. But again, this depends on the circumstances of your case. If you feel like you're going to be terminated, if you feel like your doctor is going to take you out of work now, you should probably stop work and apply for benefits and forget all of this gradual. slide out of work. So long as your records are explaining why you worked yesterday um, and why you can't work today and why you can't work the day after. Um, Why is that important? If you sense you're going to get terminated, your benefits disability coverage is going to end the day you're fired and you can't fix that. Now you may say, look, I've been working while I'm disabled and now they're going to terminate me. I should be entitled to my benefits. Well, that won't work because to be disabled, you generally have to have a loss of earning capacity. And then it plays into that um, loss of earnings of at least 20% if you have a residual claim. And it also then plays into the problem of you worked yesterday and you can't work today and you can't work tomorrow, but you have no coverage. So who cares? This obviously can be tricky. And again, another reason why you should be consulting with an experienced ERISA disability attorney. Well, what about changing your job duties? Um, that can be problematic. So your employer comes to you and says, look, we understand you're disabled. You're having trouble doing your duties. Let's be nice. Let's give you different duties. Well, that can be a disaster. Um, You might want to try to make a deal um, by changing your duties, by changing your occupation, by changing your pay. Now, how is that going to cause a problem? If you change duties, that might change your occupation. Changing your rate of pay or reducing your hours can reduce your benefits. All of this can impact not only the onset of disability, but ultimately whether you're entitled to benefits and how much you get. So don't make a deal before you consult with an experienced or risk of disability attorney because you've got to figure this out based on your policy, based on your wages, based on your medical records, based on what's going down with your employer. So I want you to think hard, hard about the onset date before you file your application for disability benefits. I don't want you to make a mistake because that's a mistake that's darn near impossible to fix. Got it? Let's take a break. Are you a professional with questions about your individual disability policy? You need the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. This book gives you a comprehensive understanding of your disability policy with tips and to-dos regarding your disability application that will assist you in submitting a winning disability application. This is one you won't want to miss. For the next 24 hours, we are giving away free copies of the Disability Insurance Claim Survival Guide for Professionals. Order yours today at disabilityclaimsforprofessionals.com. Welcome to winning isn't easy. The status of your license. Now, when you apply for your disability benefits, the disability carrier is going to be doing a number of things to determine your occupation. Uh, And one of the things they're going to be doing is to verify the status of your professional license. Why is that important? Well, let's look at your policy or plan. Many disability policies or plans have specific provisions that say a loss of a license doesn't mean that you're disabled under the terms of the policy or the plan. But the status of your license is going to be an issue in a disability claim if you're a professional. They're going to check on the status of your license. They're even going to do a criminal and civil background check. Why are they doing that? Well, they're looking for a reason to deny your claim. So let's say you're under investigation by the Florida bar because of trust account issues. You've been charged with stealing a client's money or you're under investigation by the Florida Board of Medicine as a physician and you've been charged with overprescribing medication. Now, at the same time, you may have had back pain for years and you've decided that this might be the time to apply for your disability benefits, claiming that you're disabled from working as an attorney or as a physician. This happens frequently. And the disability carrier is going to question the timing of your disability claim. Are you really disabled? Or are you looking for a way to support yourself when you lose your license? If your claim timing is suspect, the carrier is going to question and will probably deny your claim. Now, even though you may be accepted, your benefits are paid, you're on what's called diary, don't think that the disability carrier is going to stop checking. They are going to continue to check on the status of your license. And they're also going to check on the status of any civil or criminal litigation. Why? Two reasons. And this happened to a lawyer in New York who misrepresented to the disability carrier that he wasn't working. And they did a check using the PACER uh, uh, program to check to see whether he had been filing any lawsuits and the extent of his involvement. Well, he told them he wasn't working, but in fact, Pacer showed that he had been involved in 11 cases and had gotten paid and had not reported that information to disability carrier. Ultimately, of course, his benefits were terminated. Now, also, they're going to do a criminal check. Why? Policies or plan provisions may say that you don't get your benefits if you're in the pokey. So, No money, if you're in the pokey, might be a policy provision that could result in you not getting benefits. Why do I say that? Because I've had clients who have been in jail during the course of their disability claim. Some have gotten paid, some haven't been paid, and it depends on the terms of your policy or plan. So don't think that um, you're going to get away with collecting benefits while you're in the pokey. You need to look at your policy or plan. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and you've learned lots about the games that disability carriers play when you apply for benefits in doing an occupational analysis. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider liking our page, leaving a review, or sharing it with your friends and family. Please, please subscribe to this podcast. That way you're going to be notified every time a new episode comes out. Please tune in for next week's episode of Winning Isn't Easy. See you then.